Welcome to the Other Side of Potential podcast, hosted by Dr. Sharon Spano. Each episode explores the many complexities of our world that often disrupt our ability to live a meaningful, prosperous life. Join Sharon as she explores the art of being human and what it means to move beyond the daily pressures of performance and monetary success to a place of radical abundance. Good morning, listeners. This is Dr. Sharon Spano, and welcome to The Other Side of Potential. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I run into a lot with my clients, and I don't know that we've really addressed it in quite the way we're going to do it today. So get ready, because we're going to talk about relationships and what it means or how to go about attracting, keeping, and enjoying the relationships in your life. And we have today with us Michelle Hoffman. Michelle has a very interesting background that she's going to share with us today. She's a keynote speaker. She's a life and relationship coach. She has over 25 years experience in working with individuals and, and leaders with respect in, in respect to their relationships, both personal and professional. And she's also an international best-selling author of over five books. The one that caught my attention, and I think we'll talk a little bit about today, is uh, a book called Life Worth Living with a subtitle, A Practical and Compassionate Guide to Navigating Widowhood and Soul Parenting. And then she has another book called The New Management Blueprint, which we'll also touch upon. Her work is all about attracting and managing the complex terrain of relationships. And it doesn't matter if you're single, partnered, married, divorced, or widowed, Michelle can guide you from loneliness to love through what she calls the art of relationshiping. So without any further hesitation, welcome to the show, Michelle. It's great to have you on board today. Thank you so much for having me here, Dr. Sharon. It's so great to be here. And I'm so excited because I literally just got another picture from a client saying how happy she is in her new relationship. And I just got a huge invitation to a wedding for another thrilled and deeply in love client. So, oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. That's an amazing thing. Well, tell me a little bit. And for the sake of our listeners, you know, it's always a journey. We come to our work in a variety of ways and it's always changing and morphing based on the work that comes to us as well. So I'm wondering what was your journey and what brought you to this place in that the writing of that first book, Life Worth Living? Well, it is an interesting one. I never anticipated being an author, speaker, coach, but here I am. I was a portfolio manager. I was a senior director in a medical publishing company, and I was a social scientist at Stanford University in the Department of Medicine. And I was doing business consulting at the side, and really, you know, this was my professional life. And I was always aligning the teams I was working with to achieve their personal goals aligned with the professional goals and the mission and vision of the business that I was working in. So everybody was walking in with their own value system and together we would benefit ourselves and as a result, benefit the team and the department and the success of the company. All of this was great. That's my professional side. On the personal side, all I ever really wanted was to be in love with the right man. Mm -hmm. And it took a little longer to find him than I thought it would, but we found each other big time. And it was, we're put at the wrong dinner seating together. By the end of dinner, he said that he knew I was the one for him. It took me a little longer. <laughs> that evening on the dance floor, he kissed me. That was brave. And right. I did what every man dreams of when he kisses a woman. I laughed. 
Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> How did he okay. receive that? Well, he was brazen enough to say, what's so funny? And I said, my whole world has changed. My life was going down the path this way, and now it's going toward you. That's what every man dreams of when he kisses a woman, Ah, right? So that was the beginning of a glorious, loving relationship. We got engaged. We got married. We built a home. We had kids. We built a life. And it was small, but it was perfect until he died. Oh, wow. And what did he die of, if I could ask? Oh, he had a cancer. Okay. And how long were you married? 16 years. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. That's not long enough. No, it's not long enough. And, you know, people would still talk about how the whole room would light up when one of us was in and the other would walk in. And that kind of connection and love lasts and is enduring beyond life's parameters. But that left me without him, head of household, sole parent, and you guessed it, single. Mm -hmm. And the dating rules of engagement had certainly changed. So I used all of my professional experience to pull my life together, all of the project management, all of the team building, all of the everything. And I put together different activities for myself, basically, to rebuild my life the way that I saw it could be even without him. And then I needed to do that for my kids. How old were your children when he passed? They were in fourth and fifth grade. Oh, wow. And so I started to do these kinds of things where I would figure out one person cannot be my everything anymore. So I needed to build an advisory board. So just like a business hires a board of directors, I needed a personal, emotional, inspirational advisory board. And so do my kids, because we can't go to daddy anymore. But who do you go to for Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. For emotional support, for subject matter expertise, someone who's accountability partner, and someone who will leverage their position for your success. So I started to put together all of these things that I had done in my professional life, in my personal life. And then a friend of mine who I used to go running with in high school went out for a run, had a heart attack and died. And I thought, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And now that you know my story, you know, I did know what to do. So I went to his widow and said, this is never going to be okay. I'm going to hold your hand and walk this journey with you. Let's project manage this thing. And very quickly, Mm -hmm. I helped her move through grief and loss And the loss and grief of what she thought her life could have, should have been, because that happens to people even when they don't have the loss of a loved one in their life. And we rebuilt her life and her kids. So everyone then in my community was like, go help them, go help them. You're so good at this. And I'm like, no, 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 I need to go get a job. And they're like, no, this is your job. And I said, here's what I'll do. I will write the guide I did not have, and Mm -hmm. then I'm going to go get a job. Well, I wrote the guide I did not have, The Life Worth Living, A Practical and Compassionate Guide to Navigating Widowhood and Soul Parenting. And it became an international bestseller. And people from all over the world were reaching out to me going, can you help me through this? Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm going to help you through this, but I need to go get a job. 
And they were like, this is your job. <laughs> sort of divine intervention where the universe pointed you in this direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, okay, I'll help you. And then over time, there were enough people coming to me saying, this is your job and we need to pay you so that you can have this job. And I thought, well, this is an interesting job interview, right? So I was doing that. And what I learned was that more than widows and widowers were coming to me and all of them were looking to attract the right relationships in their lives and navigate the obstacles in those relationships. They needed to learn to trust themselves to choose the right person and get through the ebbs and flows in a relationship so they can enjoy all of the relationships in their life. And that includes, as you know, the relationship with your inner voice and inner thoughts, mm -hmm. the relationship with your physical body, the relationship you have with food, your environment, your pets, your family, your kids, parent-child relationship where you're the parent, parent-child relationship where you're the child, the relationship you have in your community, the roles and activities that you enjoy, and of course, your relationship with your professional life, your colleagues, your clients, and the activities and work that you're doing to make a positive contribution in the world. So over time, I literally became a relationship coach. During lockdown, things really switched. Yes, because people were struggling. I think the divorce rate, I don't remember the stats anymore, but increased because people were struggling and realizing, you know, if I'm in this house or this apartment with this person, and particularly if there were young children, that, well, I don't really like this person anymore. I mean, I know several people that divorced through that. So as you move through the years, what are some of the top three issues that you see in relationships, where people struggle in relationships? All relationships follow the same cycle, from chemistry to casual to committed. During the initial chemistry phase, we literally have the chemicals of, you know, the neurotransmitters, the dopamine, the serotonin, the oxytocin, which encourages us to reach out and connect with people. All of that is like heightened. And this is when, like, I'm going to give the example of when you first meet someone and you, what I call future cast of what life could be like with them. And you get these dopamine hits like nothing else. This person is so exciting and so interesting and so interested in me and your phone rings. And then you get the dopamine hit. Is that my person reaching out to me again? And it's so wonderful. We forget our keys and our shoes and whatever. And it's just a thrilling honeymoon portion of a relationship. As you move into the relationship and you have more experiences together, you move into, and these are all phases that kind of match and meld together, into the casual phase of a relationship. We as humans feel safe and secure and a sense of calm when we can anticipate to some degree what's going to happen next. With that, we can look forward to that next kiss. We can anticipate that the time that we share with this person is going to be a good one. And that's why we want to keep having those experiences together. And this is a lot like going to the same restaurant that you love and ordering your favorite dish. It's like listening to the same song because you know what's going to happen in the song and you love the chorus. And here comes that really good part. 
But there's another thing that happens in the casual phase of a relationship, and this answers your question, because it's here when we also start to identify what could be wrong in this relationship. And that's our amygdala looking for danger. And that's what it's designed to do. Uh, If there's a red flag, this person is getting involved in risky and dangerous behaviors, and that's not appropriate for me. That's a signal it's time to distance yourself from this person in an appropriate way. If it's a yellow flag, I call it, that's your cue to ask some additional questions, look further into what's going on in the relationship, and make sure that it's not a red flag signaling distance. But if it's a green flag, And the two of you, and I just got off the phone with a client where they're now sharing the L word. They're saying, I love you. That's like a handshake agreement that we're in the right relationship with the right person at the right time doing the right thing. And that automatically catapults you forward into the chemistry phase of a relationship because you're showing up in a new way with a new role. First, you might be, you know, dating. Then as you continue to date, you know, that up levels and you're in a monogamous relationship, perhaps. And then you can share the L word, which is the path that this client went through. And again, now she's someone with a boyfriend who is in a loving monogamous relationship and they are moving toward engagement and marriage because that's the way they both want to go. But you need to take the steps. When any of those cycle or those phases are out of alignment, that's what causes challenges in relationships. And if somebody is still in the chemistry honeymoon phase and they don't want to get into the casual phase or any level of commitment to spiral that relationship up, getting on the same page, either slowing it down or bringing them up to speed will help bring a relationship back in alignment. The way you do that is through communication, repeated communication, open lines of communication that builds respect and over time that builds trust. So that's how when people are out of alignment in their relationships, communication will rebuild that, make sure you're both on the same page and that will throw you forward into the chemistry phase. And I can give you examples of that if you'd like. So I'm curious, though, because obviously that's a beautiful cycle that you just described, but we all know there are many, many aspects to humanity and the way that we are in the world. I deal with a lot of people who have trauma in their history, Mm -hmm. and so the red flags may be far more nuanced, and the relationship begins, and then they find we're not doing very well. So I'm wondering with they're already in the committed relationship or the relationship and you see things going awry, then what is the process? If you can describe it, it might be difficult to describe because I know it's individualized. What happens there in order to help them make a decision to either stay or go? Okay. So I'm going to give you an example, especially with a trauma response. Mm -hmm. What will happen is you know, something will trigger the trauma and that escalates the emotional response because what happened before was not a good outcome. So a person in a trauma response is going to take in this information or experience, compare it to their life experience, and then go into, you know, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, you know, either a paralysis or 
an attempt to reach out and connect or protect themselves because we've developed strategies, we've adapted strategies to be safe. So the example that's coming to mind is not an extreme trauma example, but it will lay out the three easy steps that I give clients. There's this couple, they're in a beautiful relationship And he, from his life experience, was feeling obligated to push the relationship forward. And they hadn't been dating that long. But in this case, he felt obligated that they needed to move it forward, get engaged, get married and do this because his life experience has taught him that that's as the man, that's what he needed to do. She, however, was not ready for that. So uh, this is an example of Mm -hmm. she was still in chemistry and he was in casual and pushing for a more committed relationship. And what was happening was he was having physical response to being out of alignment with what he had been taught through life to do. He couldn't sleep. He was getting sick he didn't want to push her or the relationship forward. He wasn't ready for it, but he felt like that's what he was supposed to do. So she was saying this to me, asking for my help. Now, are you, are you seeing both of them at the same time? How does that? No, I was only seeing her. Oh, okay. Okay. Couples will come to me. Oftentimes I can help them. Even if I'm just seeing the one person, I can see a reflection of what's going on. So the three easy steps in this situation, and then I'll give you a really fun one, um, was first I say, set the tone and determine what you want the outcome of this interaction to be. And what she wanted was for them to feel safe and secure and a sense of calm in the relationship together at this point in the relationship and to allow it to organically grow in the way that it was going. And she didn't want to get rushed into something she wasn't prepared for. So figure out what is the outcome you'd like to have. And I also say to set, create an appropriate setting. There are times when to share information and times that may not be the right place to bring up a topic. In this case, them being together alone would be an appropriate way to have this kind of intimate conversation. And then another thing that I talk about is how, like your physical proximity, is this a face-to-face confrontational type of topic, which doesn't have to be aggressive or assertive, but it could be, I want to make sure that what we're talking about is super clear. I want you to be able to read my facial expressions and it could be a Mm face-to-face. It could be what I call parallel play. It might be a conversation you can have while you're out walking together or in the car. And that way it takes some of the pressure off and gives you time or gives your partner time to think about things without being too like in your face. And occasionally, like in this situation, my suggestion was to, when they're alone, come up behind him and hug him so close that he could feel and smell her right there. And whisper in his ear, I am so happy with our relationship exactly as it is right now. And all of the pressure came off of him. He then knew he was safe and secure in the relationship the way that it was, exactly as it was. 
And he didn't need to worry about social impact or cultural impact or his family and external influences because he and she together were in the relationship that they wanted to be in where they were at at that time. So again, going back to my original question in terms of the kind of the three major issues or reasons that you see people struggling in relationships, what might they be? If someone is outsourcing responsibility of a relationship to someone else, if they're responding to external factors that don't really have anything to do with the internal relationship, and if someone is trying to push a relationship forward when it's not ready to be there. What do you see? Because I see this a lot with my clients here and there in a variety of ways, but people who are just looking for a relationship and can't find one, how do you help them realize not only how to attract that, but what is going on within them that may be pushing the relationships away, whether it be personal or professional? As you know, we tend to fall back on those adapted strategies to make us feel safe. That will put us in a situation where we may, even though it's not the relationship we want, continue to find the relationship that we're familiar with. So when people run into this and they're looking to attract the right love in their lives, where we start, and I generally let people you know, fantasize about who would be the right person to invite into your life. And then step one would be to really figure out who is anecdotally the right type of person to invite into your life based on what I call the lifeline of your relationship arc, based on where you're at in life and what would you like for the rest of your life. Let's find someone at a similar intersection with similar goals and desires, because when you've aligned that, then you've invited someone in who it's easy to enjoy life with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The second step is to then assess what are your core values, because we all make decisions based on our true core value system. And it's really fun to invite someone in with a similar, comparable, compatible core value system, because otherwise you're struggling against one another. If what you're looking for is prioritizing faith and family, and someone else is looking for adventure and living in the moment with, you know, extravagant things that are an independence and individuality. Mm-hmm that's not necessarily going to make a perfect match. It doesn't mean opposites don't attract, but you need to find that intersection. And then the third layer, which is where we tend to look first for partners, is faith, family, fitness, finance, physicality, Mm -hmm. profession, culture, intellect, philosophical views. And what happens is we go, oh, wow, that kid in science class is attractive. I want that person. Or they'll just be convenient. And then we hope the rest lines up. But if you can figure out where you're at in life and who would be the right kind of person to invite in, it's easier to find a needle in a haystack when you have an idea of who and what a needle looks like for you. And I find that to be the hardest part for people because they may have some idea of what they're looking for, but often it's not based on any 
deep level of thought. Sometimes it's based on what they think they should be looking for. I think many of us, you know, there's cycles where we, particularly if there's trauma in the background, I'm sure you get clients as I do who repeatedly attract the wrong people, whether it be in their their business or as employees or in their personal relationships. So I'm curious then, what are the types of things that you're seeing now that we're in this world where, you know, so much of us are, our relationships are on Zoom and there's so much available to us in terms of connections versus in person, you know, and there's the speed dating and all these different things. And there's so many different ways that relationships are happening now. Anything from, you know, monogamous to polyamory. Yeah. You know, the polyamorous or whatnot. So what are you seeing in terms of how people are initially willing to connect? Is it generational? You know, because the younger generations are going to, you know, they're looking for people online and they're texting and TikToking and whatnot. You know, there's so many different variations. What is the most common way that you're seeing people seek out potential relationships? The most common way that people are seeking out for potential relationships first is in their everyday organic in the wildlife, the people that they run into normally throughout their normal routine in life. The next level, and so often people get discouraged because they're not finding that. Then they reach out to their network and say, you know, make it clear. I'm looking for someone who do we know who is the right kind of person for me? But within your network kind of burns out fast, unfortunately. So what's happened is online dating has become an accepted practice I love online dating as an option to go outside your network, to find someone beyond your current world, to see who is appropriate to invite into your life. Online dating can be scary. It can be dangerous. If you yeah, have All I heard is, is negative. The people that I know that have done it, it's not a vast amount of people, but I do know, you know people that have done it. What I hear often is, oh, it's a nightmare. They lie. They misrepresent themselves. The pictures aren't accurate. Their interests aren't accurate. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Are you seeing some of that? Or are you seeing it, you know, people actually really connecting and, and it working? I help people enter the online dating world to get beyond their network to attract the right people in their lives in a safe and secure way. And I'll give you an idea of how I liken online dating is like you and I are going to go out into a busy city. And we don't think twice about the fact of entering a busy community that's very populated. We know there's going to be all kinds of people in Mm -hmm. there. And we're not going to, you know, put ourselves in a risky or dangerous situation because we know there are all kinds of people out there. We're also not obligated to be in a partnership with every single person we encounter in any way. So going into an online dating community is no different than that. Know who you are looking for and don't waste your time, not a moment of your time with the wrong kind of people. So knowing that you don't want the wrong people Swipe left on them. Just keep moving. Don't give them a moment of your precious life. Then when you see someone who might be interesting, you can like them or hurt them or up-level that. And very quickly, 
If you're engaging in a conversation over text, stay on the profile on that site and screen them based on the high level priorities that you have in your life. If they don't match that where you're at in life and what you're looking for to share your life with and what you'd like for the rest of your life, your top line priorities, don't even bother. Say, you know, we're not a match. Free them up to go find their person. You are then freed up to find yours. So in fact, if you just follow good safety rules like you would in a busy city, all of the wrong people and the fake profiles and people aren't who they say they are disappear so that you can actually very quickly find someone of interest outside your network who is interesting to invite into your life a little bit more. Ask those open-ended questions if faith is a primary value of yours, Mm -hmm. put that at the top. And if they don't match that, then disengage. If you are looking to get married and have children, don't hide that until later. Put it in the forefront. Let people know what your long-term goals are. Not that you are ready to go right off into the sunset with someone as soon as you meet them, because you need to go from chemistry to casual to committed and share experiences together to allow that relationship to foster and grow in a way where you're a united front, you maintain your individuality, and together you've created a universe of the relationship that you share together where you are supporting one another. You've got each other's back. You know that they will behave the same way they're with you even when you're not there. And that that person is trustworthy and respected and will connect and communicate with you in a loving way and be there for you so that you can share life's challenges and celebrations together. And yes, I've seen it work every single time. If they go into it with kind of the caveats and more of a strategy, but I think there's something else happening out there. And and I I think it's, it's just interesting because I'm, I watch, you know, my, my younger colleagues and friends and some of my clients, I, I work with, you know, several and always do have several 20 somethings in my mix of clients. It's just, you know, this whole swiping thing, it almost feels like kind of so much work you know, and you're weeding through. And it also seems very superficial to me that you're making a decision based on a picture or a profile. And that's not the whole story of the individual. So that to me is like where this chemistry piece, you know, I feel like in some ways is kind of, you could be missing that piece online is what I feel. And then you have your other generation, you know, people in the middle somewhere like what you may have experienced. And how long since your husband died now? It's been seven years. Okay. And you, are you remarried? I'm not remarried. I'm in a committed relationship. Okay. Very, very How did you meet that person? Online. You did online. Okay. Yeah. So it's a generational thing because, and the person that you and I talked about earlier that I, I imagine is probably was on your website because I know he's looking for a relationship. So I have to send him this recording and send him okay. to you. As in everything, you know, there's generational shifts based on where you are in life and and the circumstances around that life. 
And I'm wondering what you're seeing, because what I know, and I kind of came into it by chance the way you did, in my corporate work through the years, I always wound up coaching uh, someone in the higher level CEO through the executive team because there was something going on at home. In my earlier part of my career, I used to talk about whole life success because I don't believe you could separate out work from your personal life. I believe they have to be integrated. And I still do a lot of that work, my work. It's very hybrid now in terms of all of my training and the work that I've done through my career. And I'm very committed to the family system and maintaining that family system. So how are you seeing, if at all, your work influence the other aspects of a person's life, I guess, is the question I'm trying to get to. Because to me, finding the right person is obviously the first step and very, very important. But we all know as you get into a relationship, things morph and change. And in my experience, what you're living in at home is going to affect every other area of your life. What kinds of issues are you seeing, if any, come up in those other realms of life in, in the relationship context? So I'm hearing two questions from Oh, me. I'm very bad at that. So <laughs> usually I throw out six just to be clear. Well, I, just pulled two the, I pulled two highlight questions. Yeah, how okay. One is how does this work for different generations? And two, how does relationshiping work to balance personal and professional relationshiping? If one is changing, how does it change? Right, right. Did I get them? Yes, Did I yes. Yeah. Hi, okay. So let's start with generational, super fun. I have people who've come to me, well, they're getting younger all the time because I teach the art of relationshiping in high schools now. Oh, good for you. So yes. fun, huge growth. And one of the places where I teach it is a virtual high school. So oh. these are young people who are going to high school full-time virtually through technology. And I said, here's the curriculum but this is your class, what would you like to learn? And they all said the same thing unanimously. What we'd like to learn is communication skills to build real relationships with real people in real life. You can imagine how happy I am. Yes. Oh, yes. And what a great advantage for them to get that information before the train wrecks that we're watching <laughs> right. several right now in train wreck relationships. And, and yeah, just wonderful. Right. So now they know how to identify someone who would be a good friend. They know how to build an advisory board of who to go to for what. They know who they are in the world and how they can make a positive impact and difference in the world. And they know how to make those relationships stay with them in a valuable way. So what I learned was also valuable that here I am teaching them real relationship skills to build real relationships in real life. And what they sh reminded me of is that they've actually developed a very sophisticated way to communicate through technology. And they exactly. have real relationships, even though they've never met in real life. So we'll start there. And those skills, of course, then transition to every aspect of your life. So the people who come to me now, I would say, you know, are high school and up, but my clients primarily are between the ages of 35 and 85. And I wished one of my clients a happy birthday recently, and she sent me a picture. Her boyfriend brought her to Greece to celebrate her birthday, her 84th birthday. 
Oh my gosh. And How she awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And they're so happy together. And she says, thank you. I may have died without ever knowing what true love felt like if I had not reached out and started to work with you. How big is my heart? I mean, just swelling with joy over this kind of thing. So she obviously needed a different type of support and we can't see what's in our blind spot. So in addition to the communication skills that we were talking about, to answer your second question, some of the things that get in the way or that prevent us from finding the right relationships in life, I, for some reason, this is the hand signal because I keep doing it when I bring this up. But based on how we were raised, and this represents the people Mm -hmm. who took care of us, our parents, our mentors, our guides, our culture. So we value all of what they have to share. And they've given us the very best they can. When we're still trying to please them and we're here with a different set of life circumstances, variables, goals, and desires, and we're still trying to please the people back here, we can't always move forward in a way that is serving us because it's a different situation. So to understand that these people have given us all the best they can, but we're in a new realm and a new paradigm shift with different goals and desires to achieve and that you are valued and valuable and your goals, desires, and you know thoughts and ideas also matter That's how we break that barrier and move through to invite the right partner in and go through life together in a loving, happy way. And do you, because in my work, we would look at that systemically, and I'm looking at the the family system and the intergenerational trends, and particularly the intergenerational trauma. So it's a much more challenging conversation than a cognitive one, because people cannot let go of that cognitive in my experience, it's not that easily done. And what you'll see then are, are cycles of people both hiring and or marrying the wrong people. Sometimes, you know, I'm marrying my mother, I'm marrying my father because of those what we call hidden loyalties and entanglements that really take a lot of work to get through. So I'm wondering, what is the process that you have to help them move beyond the cognitive to a really deep level of release from all of that? because it is not an easy process. No, I'm going to give you an example of a wonderful, brilliant, philanthropic woman. She has dedicated her entire life to helping people. And she came to me saying, I am not matchable. You know, I'm like, that's not true. You're amazing. You're incredible. You bring such value to other people's lives. This is a woman who grew up in a family where her father could not pursue the life he truly desired. And he believed that to be because of his upbringing, because of his social status in life, because of the color of his skin, and because of his sexual preferences. And he struggled with this to the point where it became abusive to the children and the family. He was an intelligent man who could be so much more, but didn't get to be from his perspective. And that type of abuse and living in that type of fear and actual abuse and trauma built a protective barrier around her. And she expected that all men 
uh, would behave this way. So she grew up and she married a man who treated her with the same level of trauma and abuse. She had two brilliant children and she did divorce this man. She escaped the trauma and abuse scenario, but she had given proof that her belief was true that all men behave this way. When we talked about it, and in reality, once she truly understood that she was not in an environment where she was going to be hurt or traumatized again, and these men will never hurt her again, and then we reduced down who is she in her life right now, who would be an appropriate person to invite in so that both of them could grow and grow together. Once she realized, like, true in every cell of her body, no one is going to hurt her ever again. No one is going to take advantage of her ever again. She does not even need to protect herself because she is safe, loved, and not alone, and surrounded in her inner circle by people who care about her and who value her for her authentic self, genuinely exactly who she is. Once she truly believed that, then she was able to invite in a man who, huh, so brilliant, this relationship is so beautiful. And he came to her and said, what you do matters in the world. And she pushed him away hard initially. And he stayed and he said, what you do and who you are matters in the world. I admire, adore, and love you for exactly who you are. Do you have awareness of what the shift was for her? What a, what was the moment, I guess, mm-hmm. which is a very difficult question to answer because that's her internal experience. I could see the light bulb go on. When did she have that moment where she truly, truly understood that she was safe and that no one, that's kind of hard to imagine ever thinking that no one will ever hurt you again, because that's always a potential. But what was it that shifted in her? What caused her to shift? Well, I was coaching her and I I said, let's spend an hour focusing on just this. And during that time, she realized no one is hurting her. No one is harming her. And she doesn't have to let that happen again. Okay. So she understood it anecdotally, intellectually. And then I reminded her, however, you're going to what I call return to your factory setting. Right, right. And you're going to move back into fear until your brilliant, beautiful brain can go outside your comfort zone and just a little bit, not a lot, expand a little bit more of your safety zone. Then we worked on skills and techniques for Mm self-advocacy so that She knew in any and every situation, she could protect herself and not let people in who might even offend that. And she could connect and communicate with them in an appropriate way without feeling Mm -hmm. threatened by them. So it it wasn't a one and done. It was one and done intellectually. I get this. I saw the light bulb go off and I knew we were almost there. That's the beginning. Once she knew it intellectually. And it's it's teaching the skills. Yeah. And it's teaching. I can trust myself in all relationships, 
not just intimate relationships. I know how to navigate obstacles in relationships. I know and I think that's navigate. so important is that we we have to first have some aha moment, some enlightened awareness about how we're showing up in the world in all our relationships. And then, you know, in my world, again, I'm looking at systemically, I'm looking at patterns in a different way. I'm also looking at the energy in the system, because Mm -hmm. I think we get into so much of me versus them, and we're looking at just the human aspects of it without looking at the energy in that system. But I think it's wonderful what you're doing. And I love the fact that you're working with high schoolers. I think that is such an important thing, because while I know that they are very capable of having deep relationships and real relationships online. We also know that the increase in loneliness, suicide, depression, anxiety in our youth has has very much increased. I mean, I have multiple relationships on an international level that are very, very deep just from Zoom encounters that I have. So I know we all believe and know that it can happen and it's possible. But I think there's always work for us as individuals to explore the patterns in our lives and what's working and what's not working so that we're making sure that we're always doing the, and you know, this show is all about the other side of potential. And to me, you can't think of that without thinking about relationships because we are human beings who live in community. We need to be good at it uh, or we pay a very dear price. So I thank you for being on board today. And the last few seconds, any words of wisdom for someone out there who is lonely and looking to be in a relationship? If you are lonely and looking to be in a relationship, first I would ask you to start to think about who is in your life now, because rarely are we as alone as we think we may be. Then realize that you are valued and valuable, and life is better with good love in it. When the pain of the problem is greater than the action required to resolve it, that's when you'll take action. That's going to be your signal to reach out to somebody like me at theartofrelationshipping.com or Dr. Sharon Spano to find out how do I go about reaching out and connecting with the right people in my life so that I can enjoy life with good love in it. Thank you so much, Michelle. That was beautifully stated. I can't thank you enough. And again, the art of relationshipping.com. I love that. And then the, the book we talked about is Life Worth Living, and the other one, the new management blueprint, which is more about professional relationships. So I wish you great success in what you're doing. And I know you're across social media. LinkedIn is Michelle Hoffman. Is there any other handles on any other of the platforms that we need? And we'll have all this in the show notes automatically, but any other that you want to state? So on Facebook, Michelle Brosler Hoffman, on Instagram, The Art of Relationshipping, and the easiest way to get in touch with me is through theartofrelationshipping.com, and you can just click Speak with Michelle, and we can talk about how you can find love now. Wonderful. And then you have a new book that Morgan James is picking up in the name of that one? Find Love Now. And that will be out when? Do you have a sense yet? Uh, the publisher still got it. We're in conversation. They're offering me a, a book deal before it's even finished. It's in line edit mode with my editor. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more about that. And again, thank you. And listeners, we're just exploring and kind of experimenting with some of these topics as I hear and find from each of you that reach out to me and even my own clients that where the needs are. 
And I know that we've covered so much about mental health issues, particularly anxiety, depression, and loneliness. And that's why we wanted to have Michelle on board today, because there's just such a need for us as human beings to have those connections. And we seem to have seen this isolation. I don't think it's any big news, but it's certainly increased since COVID, I think. You know, we've already talked about some of the relationships that ended during that time of isolation. I actually loved that time of isolation with my own husband. We had great fun together, but the fun continues and we look forward to the next episode of The Other Side of Potential. Until then, keep living your biggest life and God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Other Side of Potential podcast. Please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform so we can continue bringing you cutting-edge interviews and research on how to live your biggest life. For information on how to work directly with Dr. Spano, visit SharonSpano.com to schedule a complimentary consultation.